Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Well, it was a heck of a weekend, wasn't it, Wendy? Oh, my goodness. I'm still recovering, I think. Yeah, our voices are a little trashed today because we just spent Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan at the what? The Michigan Paracon. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Oh, my gosh. So much fun. Yeah. Did it live up to your expectations, Mike? Yeah, I thought so. First of all, Sault Ste. Marie is a beautiful town. Nice and historic. It's incredible. And who would think that it was the third oldest settlement in the United States? And the oldest city in Michigan. Ah, you wouldn't think it'd be that far up or whatever would be the oldest city. You're like, wow, that's, that's pretty far up. Yeah. And right in the heart of all the Great Lakes. So... Of course, I had the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald going through my head the entire weekend. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. This witch in November. <laughs> so it certainly was a lot of fun. And we met a lot of people who'd been on the podcast before. Uh, Greg and Dana Newkirk from the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and Occult. Jeff Belanger from New England Ghosts and Ghost Adventures. Chris Boras, Ghost Hunting 2.0, the Rules of the Dead guy. It was great to see them again. And also... So much fun. Also, there were some cool speakers. I mean, Stan, the, the legend, Stanton Friedman. Roswell expert. Yeah. Nick Groff from Paranormal Lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Gonzalez from Ghost Hunters. Bobo from Finding Bigfoot. Like, it, <laughs> they just, and, and don't forget Andrea Perone and her father, Roger, from the family that was the inspiration for The Conjuring. That's right. Who lived through the whole horrific story. As well as Chris Q, who lived in the Amityville house as a child. Oh, that's right. And then Darkness Dave and Tim Dennis from Darkness Radio and Beyond the Darkness were there. And it's cool to see them because we met them before at, in Chicago and at Minneapolis at the Paradigm Symposium. So it just, it was a great paranormal experience. Uh, shout out to the Marks and Ed. Mark and Mark and Ed. Yeah. From the Haunt Investigators. <laughs> Got to meet them for the first time. Yep. They've been on the show before. It was cool to see the Haunt Investigators in Michigan. And then uh, it wasn't just Wendy and I, we had a whole paranormal team. Oh, yeah. Scott Marcus from What's Your Ghost Story was helping out and hanging out and uh, schmoozing along with the team. Partying with us. Yep. So was Lisa (laughs) from the Madison Ghost Tour. We've talked with her before a bunch of the show. And of course, Allison, my lovely sister from Milwaukee Ghosts. Yes. So much fun. Oh, gosh. It was great meeting tons of new friends there, too, Mm -hmm. which just makes me look forward to more paranormal conventions where we will hopefully see some of our new friends like Brad. Yeah, right on, Brad. From uh, Canada and Shiloh from Tennessee. Ty from Ironwood. He had a good sense of style. He had a vest on like me, and I always appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it was just fun talking to everybody and hearing all the different experiences and what drew people into this field of the paranormal, you Mm -hmm. know. Everybody has their own experience or their own curiosity that somehow grew in them. Yeah, it was exciting. And then we also, of course, just like we did in Alton, ended the night on karaoke a couple of times. (laughs) Which might be why our voices are gone. Yes. Actually, once again, I would say it would be from talking over the karaoke more so than singing. But we did sing a little. Yes, we did. (laughs) And it was fun making connections with everybody. And so if we met you at the Michigan Paracon this weekend... Thanks for checking out See You on the Other Side podcast. It was awesome meeting you. Yes, awesome. And especially uh, Tim Ellis and Lindsay, mm-hmm. we want to thank you for hosting such an awesome event. And it was great to meet you. And uh, I, I totally recommend it to anyone who's interested at all in any of these topics of hauntings, yeah, UFOs, cryptids. I mean, it was just 
a perfect smattering of everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they really get the heavy hitters. I mean, first of all, we, Rosemary Allen Galley is always great. She's a font of information. Uh, John Zaffis, the haunted collector. Chip Coffey, the psychics there are going around saying psychic stuff. He's got a good looking scarf like me too. Yeah. Amy Bruni and Adam Berry from Kindred Spirits. Bob Merch, the Ouija board expert. Oh, was yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. If you're scared of Ouija boards, just check out what Bob Merch does. And I think you'd really get a different appreciation for what Ouija boards are. And even just the history of toy making and spiritualism in 19th to 20th century United States. Yes. And I met John Tenney for the first time. He was also on one of the panels and just a fascinating character with so many great stories and so many awesome, weird, paranormal things that have happened to him that we met him in the bar <laughs> Thursday night. Oh, and just I, I could have sat there and just listened to him all night. Like I was hoping um, that bar time didn't happen so I could keep on hearing stories. Yes. And all these people, of course, we asked if they would come on our show and everybody was very favorable. So we look forward to bringing those people on the show and sharing their stories and having them uh, meet you through <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. podcast. And we have some interesting stories too. Especially, I mean, seance magician Aiden Sinclair. Uh, he, oh, that's going to so be a great. cool story. Anyway, I know we're just gushing, but Michigan Paracon, yeah. try to hit number nine if you can. If you're in the Midwest, it's a really nice, big, fun uh, paranormal convention. And we think you'd have a great yes. time. And then you'll probably run into us too. Yes. And, okay, so speaking of that, yes. if you did run into us, you might have noticed that we are wearing some new t-shirts. That I think are pretty awesome, if I do say so myself, with a brand new See You on the Other Side logo Mm. that uh, was designed by one of our listeners. So we want to give a huge shout out to Brent Simpson. Brent Simpson! His website is calamityart.design. Very incredibly talented artist, graphic designer, and so uh, highly recommend if you're looking for any logo designs or things like that, check him out. Thank you, Brent. Yes, that great looking t-shirts. Yes, and we will have those available if you would like to get one of your own. Uh, we'll post some pictures on the website so you can see us <laughs> modeling them. That's right. And then you can get one for yourself if you'd like. Yes, you can. So we had a great time at the Michigan Paracon. And one of the things that we were talking about a lot uh, with cryptid people and UFO enthusiasts and everything like that was the topic of the show today. Yes. And that is the Chicago Mothman. Now, the reason they're using it, the Mothman, is basically because, first of all, it's catchy. Uh, And even though a lot of the sightings aren't necessarily insectoid, like the Mothman was. (laughs) That's such a weird word. I know. Like the Mothman was in the late 60s in uh, Point Pleasant in West Virginia. But we were talking about it a lot because there is this rash of sightings happening around the Chicagoland area. And so we wanted to make sure to to get on this story because there are so many sightings now. And we brought in Lon Strickler from Phantoms and Monsters. And Lon has been kind of the guy taking in all of the sightings. Yeah, he's documenting where they're occurring and when and Mm -hmm. commonalities between them or differences. Right. And so we got Lon in to talk. And then we've got Manuel Navarrete. And he's from UFO Clearinghouse. And he's been the one who's actually on the ground investigating the sightings. He's been talking to everybody and and going to the places. And then we also brought in Tobias Wayland from the Singular Fortian. Another Madisonian. Yep. And he's been also covering the stories. uh, Like him and Emily have been making up little art and stuff like that for the stories, too. So they're keeping a really close eye at the Singular Fortian. So cool. Phantoms and Monsters, UFO Clearinghouse. And of course, uh, my sister Allison Jornland from Milwaukee Ghosts has been doing haunted road trips to all the Mothman sighting locations. 
Yeah, so you can see exactly what it, you know, the the setting yep. of where this creature was spotted. And what it looks like. And of course, there'll be links to that and everything all on the website and Lon's paranormal map and everything. Plus, there's a couple of revelations in here. Anyway, this is a really fun interview, and we're going to have to get to the conversation, and I think we should do it right now. The Mothman is back, and this time he's taking on the Midwest. 38 sightings dating back to 2011. Most of them are occurring this year in Chicagoland, beginning in March of 2017, with some sightings being reported as recently as August 2017. Joining us today to talk about this full-on Mothman flap is Allison from Milwaukee Ghosts. Hello, Allison. Hey, glad to be here. Lon Stickler from the famous Phantoms and Monsters blog. Welcome, Lon. How you doing? Fantastic. Manuel Navarrete of the UFO Clearinghouse. Hi, Manuel. Hey, how's it going? Fantastic. And Tobias Wayland of the insightful Singular Fortean blog. Welcome to the podcast, Tobias. Hey, thanks for having me. Number one, you guys have all been doing stuff on the Mothman over the past you know, few weeks and months. And so that's why we want to kind of bring it all together to just maybe get an update on what exactly is happening. And for people who maybe are new to the Mothman phenomena and the idea of flying humanoids uh, throughout the Chicagoland area, we thought we'd bring them up to speed with our special Mothman round table. Okay, so because we have so many people on the podcast today, we're probably going to go in order with each question. We'll start with Lon, then go Manuel, then Tobias, and then Allison, you can, you can clean up, and then I'll just make snarky comments. <laughs> Because that's what I do best. So starting out, what exactly is going on? What are people seeing? Let, let's start with you, Lon. What are you seeing? Well, I, I wish I knew that. I mean, it, it, <laughs> people are seeing, well, and more recently, a huge bat-like humanoid. Um, it's, you know, earlier on, it was like a descrip- description was mostly like the Mothman uh, that people know and love from Point Pleasant, but actually as as time went on and most of the sightings recently and I guess since maybe um, early May have been mostly wing, bat wing like creatures. Okay, so instead of an insectoid kind of more of a, a mammalian bat like thing and Manuel, now you're going out to each site, right? Yeah, the ones I can get to, um, yeah, I would have, I'd go do field investigations. Okay, so you're jumping out into the field. Now, from the perspective of someone who's going to each place and talking to the people, what are you seeing? Not, not, not necessarily I know what you're seeing, but uh, give us a little explanation of, of what people are saying they're seeing. Um, large uh, black uh, winged object. Usually uh, a bunch of people are saying that um, the wings aren't feathered like a bat or, or like a, a bird or a owl but more membrane-like, uh, kind of like what a bat's uh, wings were. Um, between seven to eight feet tall, uh, glowing red eyes. Um, some of the downtown ones have, have said they were, that it, it was flying right above the fruit tree tops or right above the, uh, the street lights. Um, Oz Park, uh, as well as Humble Park, we've had, uh, we've had uh, reports of it actually being on the ground, being seen on the ground. Um, I think we also had a Chicago produce market. We had one that was, um, it was seen by multiple people and was standing on the edge of a building. Um, that one day actually threw rocks at it. That's how they made it go away. Um, but, um, yeah, it's been just a large flying humanoid like creature. Um, basically all the reports, like I said, they started coming out first off as a, 
Mothman like when they went out like now they're more like bat like uh, we have had an insect insectoid um, one that was the one with the uh, one that was seen jumping off the Willis Tower um, he described it as insectoid but um, they've all basically been the same uh, large black um, wingspan of up to about 10 feet from tip to tip um, and glowing red eyes. All right, all right. That, well, that that sounds that sounds terrifying. It's the anti Batman. Now, Tobias, and I know you've been covering this on the Singular Fortean blog too. And mm-hmm. What's your perspective and in, in what people are seeing? Anything unifying or uh, anything in particular when you when you're combing through the report? Sure, uh, uh, definitely. Well, one thing I, I, I'd like to point out right away um, is I, I think that you know Mothman. It, it, it's uh, a, a relatively famous case that provides something convenient for people to compare this thing to, and something we should remember is in reports of the of the Mothman, you know, in Point Pleasant back in I think it was sixty five and sixty six. Um, the description of that particular entity wasn't itself insect like. Um, that was a convenient name created by a a, a journalist or, or copywriter for a, a a local paper, taken you know directly out of uh, out of the the Batman. Uh, television show at at the time, I believe. Um, so, like uh, Lon and, and Manuel had already touched on, you know, we get uh, a little bit of a variance in how people are describing this thing. Um, you know, between bat-like or or bird-like, you know, we had the one insect-like uh, description from the the uh, Willis Tower, and I don't know necessarily if that is so much uh describing an actual difference in uh, in appearance or if this is merely you know people trying to explain something or describe something that is so far outside of their experience like there's going to be some variation in their description, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Now, Allison, you've been uh, chasing <laughs> chasing down the Chicago Mothman in your own way uh, over the past couple of weeks. And so uh, from what are you reading, what what do you kind of see there? Now, first, I'd never thought about the Batman description before. And I think that's great, Tobias, because when I think of the Mothman, <laughs> I actually think of Arthur from The Tick. Oh, I love <laughs> kind Arthur. Of that, that particular character, Arthur he from The Tick. so endearing. Yeah, we all know we all love We're Arthur. bringing the show back. So I know, I know it's yeah, coming on seen, Amazon I, at the end of the month. Yeah. I, I've seen the, the first episode. It's awesome. Um, okay, so... so when I, I, that's what I picture is Arthur <laughs> flying around Chicago. And I'm like, why are you freaking out? Like, Arthur's the good, nice guy. Uh, I've been trying to find Arthur or any monster. <laughs> I'm not picky. Uh, but I've, I've been going from uh, site to site. Len Strickler's, you, you, your map, uh, everything you do uh, on the Phantom and Monsters blog, it's just awesome. So I really appreciate having that um, text to go by and, and having an awesome map to, to use. So, because people can, they can pick up and, and do as I do and, and go and walk in the footsteps of the witnesses and s- see where they learn from that. So I really thank you, Lon, for all your contributions and, and, um, and Manuel for getting out there and, uh, you know, being a foot soldier and uh, talking to witnesses and uh, Tobias for everything you've been doing, uh, you know, coming up with, uh, you know, insightful perspectives on what may be going on. So you guys have just been doing uh, yeoman's work and it's appreciated. So uh, I was wondering, though, I think I think we need to give a little bit of backstory on the Mothman phenomena. And I know there's there's other 
things related to like uh, UK's uh, Owlman and and so forth. So you know maybe we could go around and just get a little bit of insight on uh, what each of you know about the backstory of uh, that that maybe these recent sightings are related to. Maybe not. What do you say, Lon? Um, I well, you know, I had been doing this for a long time now, and quite frankly, I've been receiving flying humanoid reports for many, many years, and uh, there's always some type of variation. But this flap in particular, it, it's kind of bizarre because it kind of reminds me more so of the uh, the gargoyle-like beings, uh, in particular, like the uh, butler, the butler gargoyle, or um. A few other that I've covered, one in particular, one in Ohio, I had covered about eight or nine years ago. Now, as far as the, the Mothman from Point Pleasant, that being itself was uh, more aggressive than what we're seeing in Chicago. And it was always in one area overall. It was in that McClinton, McClinton or uh, uh, reserve area where the TNT plant is now uh, but what what's, we're experiencing now in Chicago is, is I think it's something entirely different it's uh, I do believe it's a flesh and blood being but I also believe there's a, a supernatural aspect to it and uh, you know some of the stuff we're doing now I mean, I, I've, I'm, I even posted today that on the, um, on our messenger flap, I mean, um, thread that I was involved in a, a remote view session for this thing, and actually this is the second one we've done, and uh, some of the information we're getting is interesting, though I've got to do some, uh, I've got to go back over it, so hopefully we're going to get some more information. There have been some developments recently that may or may not have an impact on what's going on. But, you know, I, I think we're getting closer each day. Though, you know, with something like this, with most cryptids, uh, we may never have an answer. Well, I gotta, I gotta stop you for a second there, because you just, you just said you did a remote viewing session on the Chicago Mothman. So I need, we, need, we need to unpack <laughs> that for a second. So, okay. So when you guys are setting up that session, like, who do you bring in? How do you do it? Like... If let, let's say we wanted to have a remote, because so Lon, where are you located physically? You don't have to give just your address or anything. I'm in Hanover, Pennsylvania, not far from Gettysburg. Okay, I've got several people that I do remote views with, and in, in, in other words, we use what you call a controlled remote view or a scientific remote view. I was trained to do this several years ago by a, uh, a woman who used to work for MI5, and uh, so I'm I've been trained to do a remote view i do i can i can do it by myself but i prefer to prefer to do it with other people and uh serve as a monitor while we do it um but i've got i got two other people that work for me one was in boston one was in la and uh basically we went through the steps went through the phases at the same time collecting information and what we have done is put it all together then we we got to brief each other and uh, come up with a consensus of what the information provides. 
Do you guys all do that at the same time? Yep. Do you guys like in a sense? Do you guys do in a, like sensory deprivation chambers or pods or anything like that, or just maybe just a dark room? Um, it, it depends on the individual. I, I'd rather I'd rather do it in a nice quiet place, but uh, you know, so I can you know I can sit there and and do my ideograms or doing whatever I need to do as far as writing material down, writing uh, what comes to me. Uh, other people do different ways, but we were all doing it at the same time. We had a specific period of time where we uh, had designated to, to do this. We weren't in contact with each other, but it was done individually. And, uh, you know, remote viewing is basically a, it is a psychic process. And each of us are one to clairvoyant. I'm an, I'm an intuitive, and the other person is a psychic medium. So uh, you know, we all come, bring different, uh, different gifts, abilities to the, to the session. And uh, it, it does produce some fairly interesting results. Well, have you guys predicted anything that Manuel can go out there and, like, uh, like get an early, you know, like go here, bring the camera. Like, has it, has it just been stuff that you're trying to see what people have already seen? Or are you looking at maybe where appearances will happen next? Well, we have some ideas. I, I haven't fully disclosed any of that yet. And in fact, the team will get the first disclosure, but it's coming soon. Uh, we are looking at one area right now. And uh, we've also got an through the RV, got an idea how many individuals we're dealing with. Wow. So, so um, okay, when, you, that's when awesome. you refer to how many individuals, you're talking about the, the creatures? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll have to come back to that because uh, we want to talk about, you know, if there, there's mm-hmm. more than one creature, we, we want to make sure, you know, we, we talk about that and, and uh, uh, delineate each one. Now, um, so you're thinking, Lon, that this this is something different than I think that was 1966, Point Pleasant, Virginia, uh, covered by uh, John Keel in his book Mothman Prophecies. You're thinking this is something different than that. Overall, I think it's something different. I think it's a. Uh, I, I think that the these flying humanoids are summoned beings for the most part. I think they're summoned by some type of energy that's on our Earth plane for a specific reason to to look, to be guardians, to, you know, check out certain people or certain things or areas. Uh, what's going on here, I, I, I have really no idea. But I, I do believe these beings are summoned, and I think they're summoned from another reality or dimension or wherever. Wow, thank you. Uh, now, Manuel, we had talked a little bit uh, about uh, Hispanic legend pertaining to these sightings. Could you inform us uh, on that aspect? And I know also, aside from that, there's also been uh, lots of flying humanoids in other countries as well. And, and I wonder if, if those things connect at all. Well, I mean, the Humble Park sighting, um, it was referred to as a lechuza. Uh, lechuza in uh, Hispanic culture um is a witch basically a witch that can transform herself into an owl or a large bird um i grew up with my grandmother mm. telling me these stories as a kid they were mostly used as a warning um hispanic culture is full of these legends uh, you know like la llorona and uh, the the cloven hoof man and stuff um they're mostly meant as warnings uh about misbehaving <laughs> keep but, those kids uh, in line 
you know, it's yeah, it's very well ingrained. Uh, when these and when these people saw this object, it was on the ground. Um, from what I remember, report it was hunched over, and one of them approached it, and it it stood up upright. It was like six seven feet tall, uh, jet black uh, with uh, and this was at night, so it was darker than dark, and it had red uh, glowing red eyes. And if you know the Humble Park neighborhood, it's a heavily infested with gangs, especially. The Humble Park itself, um, and for them to be scared and take off running from that thing was, you know, something pretty, you know, short of um, terrifying. Because I mean, these guys are more than likely, you know, gangbangers, or they've had that, they've been, grew up in that lifestyle, so they're pretty well hardened, you know, battle hardened. Um, and for them to run away with, and they said that they saw it along with their kids, saw this object, and um, it shot up into the air and took off toward North Avenue. Uh, and pretty much scared the living hell out of everybody in there. So, mm-hmm. um, but they called it the Lechusa. The Lechusa, of course, being this uh, legend that, uh, from southern Texas, northern Mexico, um, of a witch that could change herself uh, into a flying human, into like a giant bat or a, a half um, half owl, half human uh, like creature. Uh, it was said to haunt people, or if it, if it was outside your house, it, it would sit there and uh, call your name. Um, that means that it had been sent by somebody, you know, kind of to either do you harm or steal your soul. Um, so, you know, we grew up with these kind of uh, legends as kids. Um, as far as humanoids in other countries, um, I have done a lot of research on it. I mean, we've had, of course, the Owlman uh, of, um, I believe that's Wales. Uh uh, where it's been, he's been seen on numerous occasions. Um, you know, you've had the, the Mothman of Point Pleasant. Um, Lons had a uh, a uh, encounter himself. I think it was uh, the Phantom of Tonawanga, I believe is what it, you called it, Juan. Um, the Tonawanga Phantom. Yeah, the Tonawanga Phantom. Um, there's report, there's a really a well-known report of uh, Vietnam and the Vietnam War of a uh, soldier seeing a large flying, uh, what they call demon. Um, and, you know, one report, they were on duty and it flew over their base and they could actually hear the flapping of the wings as it flew over. Uh, so, yeah, they've come from all sorts of places. Uh, Indonesia's got reports of pterodons, pterosaurs. Um, you know, almost every culture has had some kind of flying creature uh, in it. Uh, Mexico has got lots of flying humanoid reports. Uh most of them are come. They the news will tell you all is witches and you know stuff like that. But you know, some very very good video has come out of Mexico. Um, uh, some of their report, some of their uh, investigators down there are a plus about you know capturing video, capturing evidence. Um, but unfortunately, you know it's it's downplayed a lot in the media. A lot of people say it's it's witches and stuff like that. But you know it's. Uh, it's now up to what? It's about 38 sightings now, you know. And it started out in 2011. A lot of people called it at first. Um, I think when it was first seen in 2011 uh, near the University of Chicago, um, I think somebody compared it to a large sugar glider. Um, that person, I believe, was like from Tasmania, and they say it was a large sugar glider, which is mm. kind of strange because sugar gliders are maybe the size of your hand. Um, and they're as cute as all get out. Oh yeah, they're. <laughs> Right, the yeah. big ones. Yeah, they're, they're little sweeties. The big ones they're, are the size of your cuties, hand. but I mean, for something <laughs> to be the size of a human, that's kind of terrifying, you know. Right. Um, They'll snuggle you in the next week. Oh yeah, yeah, but I mean. Well, 
Ex- except for a man-sized <laughs> sugar glider that snug like oh yeah, b- might oh, snuggle wow. you to death. I'm up for the challenge. Oh, kill like oh, murdered, yeah. <laughs> murdered I mean, by cute. None of the reports have ever said. You know, everybody that's come off with the reports, they come in with the reports, have all said. You know, a lot of them come out with a sense of dread and terror. I mean, uh, we've had a lot of good sightings. Uh, we've had an Illinois state trooper who's seen them. We've had um, you know, professionals. From all walks of life, all over the city, we've had uh, two CPD officers. We've seen it. Uh, we've had um, one of the reports we had was uh, she was working. She worked for the city of Chicago as an administrative staff there. Um, Milan has gotten quite a few calls from people who work within the city or for, work for the city that have gotten that seen you know reports or have said that they've uh, they they're concerned about these encounters. So, I mean, it's a legit thing happening. I don't think it's a you know, it's a hoax of any kind. The MUFON explanation. Wait, what was the totally what was the MUFON explanation? I mean, I went on out. What what is that explanation? Their their explanation was about it. Oh, it's so asinine. I don't even want to <laughs> say about it. But I mean, come on, we're talking. They said, oh, all the reports are people flying around in uh, wingsuits. And um, wingsuits. I remember when uh, <sighs> Lon told me that explanation. That he they come out with that explanation. I I blew a gasket about it because and I went and did <laughs> research about it and presented the facts I mean there's no way it, it's it's suicide it'd be suicide especially the the ones along the lakefront would be not only suicide would be illegal because I mean the lakefront itself is a uh, no-fly zone except for like this weekend when the air and water show is happening um yeah and and so implausible too because of the expense of a wingsuit yeah it's not like it's five bucks oh no no and, <laughs> and we're talking about a suit like like falcon from captain america whatever wears that he can spread the wings and then like sail like glide a little bit uh yeah the, the, they have those yeah they do uh these are like uh what? they have uh wings uh if you've seen spider-man homecoming uh when he takes off and uses it uh it's kind of like that. It's got a webbing between the from the arms down to the to about the waist, and then between the legs, there's a webbing. So you kind of use your tail as a rudder, on um, and you can. I've seen people jump off mountains uh, and fly in really low, really fast. But the only thing is, you can't land with the thing. Um, you're doing about 150 miles an hour. Uh, you have to actually yeah. deploy a parachute. You have to be high enough for the de- to parachute to actually deploy. Some of these sightings, that people are saying, oh, it's five feet off the water. That would be a I suicide. I crap my pants just thinking yeah. about that. That would be a suicide. <laughs> um, yeah. One of them. And we don't have any mountains around here, so no, I don't think it would work. It would have well. to be. I, I did a lot of research into it. Uh, there, would, there would have to be very close in, very high up, um, in which case you are going to have helicopters from the coast guard all the way down to the cpd all over you because it's a no-fly zone um right. you know someone would have to jump the report along the lakes front said um, when they saw the two entities there they were flying circle lakes around each other um the people i talked to were all research were all experts and they, they did this for competitions they did this for um you know um entertainment purposes you know um they said circulate around each other would be suicide. You'd hit each other. Eventually, you're going to hit each other at 150 miles an hour. It's going to be kill both of you. After which, you lose your, you're going to lose your momentum. Um, yeah. The one, re- the one from um, the uh, lakefront, she says it flew, was flying along the top of the water, about five feet above water, came up and over the bridge, and been back down. Um, people have told me that's impossible. You wouldn't be able to do that. You'd lose all your momentum. You'd die. You would, if you're flying five feet above the water in a wingsuit, you're about to die. 
because you have no way to, to deploy the chute in time to get yourself down. Uh, plus, you're not going to be flying in and up and over bridges and inside the city itself, which is known for its wind. Um, yeah. You know, without right, killing the, yourself. The, the nickname or, of the town. Yeah. Right. Or smashing well, yourself into a building or something. So. Wow! Thank you so much for those those insights, uh, Manuel. You give us a whole whole nother uh, perspective on it. Uh, Tobias, uh, what say you? <laughs> uh, what is going on? Well, uh, boy, there is uh, there is a lot to talk about here. Um, just based on uh, on on the stuff that uh, that Lon and, and and Manuel are 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 saying. Um, but uh, but you know, mm-hmm. personally. Uh, I like some of the uh, attached phenomena with this this latest uh, flying humanoid flap. Um, you know, there there aren't a ton of parallels. I think with the uh, the the sixty six sightings in Point Pleasant, um, you know, noticeably missing would be reports of Men in Black, um, time slips. That was something that uh, that that Keel had talked about in the uh, the Mothman uh, uh, prophecies. Um, However, there, there there are a couple of interesting um, uh, uh, phenomena that 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 are happening, uh, like say UFOs over over Lake Michigan. I mean, UFOs famously were uh, also seen in uh, in Point Pleasant back in the '60s, and then this just happened recently. And I haven't had a whole heck of a lot of time to look into this. So hopefully, Lon or or, or Manuel or or somebody knows a little bit more about this than I do, but. Uh, Nick Redfern had written an article for Mysterious Universe, I think, about um, people having apocalyptic dreams uh, about Chicago recently. And, you know, a a lot of people theorize, of course, that the um, original Mothman back in 66 served as a sort of prophetic figure, Um, you know, this, this, this ominous sort of entity that had uh, uh, predicted a harbinger of doom yeah exactly that that predicted the uh, the silver bridge collapse in in uh, december so you know there 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 are some some definite parallels oh one one other thing too um and i, I don't think that uh, either of the other guys had mentioned this yet but i keep hearing a lot of people talking about a possible you know chicago cover up the uh, the the city government you know trying to for whatever reason, uh, kind of keep these sightings low key, keep it, you know, keep it all under wraps. And, and one of the things, um, that, uh, that is, is, is most suspicious, I would say is now, and I think Man- Manuel might've mentioned this particular encounter. There was the, uh, the CPD officer in the Auburn Gresham neighborhood. And, and that particular officer said that he had filed a report back at his precinct, but I know um, at this point, multiple Freedom of, of Information Acts, uh, Act requests have been made on, on, on behalf of this report. And, and every person so far has said, you know, that basically when they make these requests, they're told that no such report exists. So, you know, that, that leaves us with a couple of possibilities. You know, either whole thing's made up, report was never, you know, written, uh, doesn't exist, or... Uh, somebody's trying to make sure nobody ever sees this report for whatever reason. Um, so, you know, I, I guess make of that what you will, but having, you know, spoken to people who say that they've seen this thing, um, you know, and, and I know both of the other guys here have, have touched on this. I mean, people aren't making it up. 
you know, it's, it's not, um, as, as, as crazy as that can seem to people who've never experienced anything that, that strange, um, you know, it, regardless of whatever people are seeing, um, they saw something and they saw something so far outside of their experience that, that they struggle to describe it. So no, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that it's, it's just something that, that people are inventing. Um, but yeah, you know, beyond that, we have an enormous amount of data and, and boy, so, so few answers, I think. Um, but a lot, uh, a lot of stuff to speculate on. Well, I think there's two things right there we want to get at. Number one, we want to talk about when you guys are doing the investigation, like Lon, when you get the calls, uh, Manuel, when you go out there, how are you separating, uh, you know, what kind of criteria are you using when we're, you're choosing what to report and what not to report? Or um, are you getting some obvious, like, oh my God, like Mothman's in my house, man. I can't believe it. Like the Mothman's eating my Cheetos. Oh God. Like, so, you know, when you're um, doing the investigations, what kind of criteria are you setting, number one? And number two, are you getting a lot of extraneous reports beyond the uh, of things that are obvious, you know, trolls or people who are looking to have fun versus people who are legitimately scared. Well, I mean, the, the reports are pretty forthright. I mean, you know, I, we, I usually get either an email first, but if it's a cold call, something comes directly from the witness. Most times it's it happened fairly close to the time they called. It's just a matter of them having experience finding my number and, and calling me. And, um, they're still feeling the effects of what they experienced. And I tell you, you can really tell that some, they saw something or they believe they saw something and it's in their voice. And when they, you know, when they talk to you and they tell you, you know, right off the bat, you're not going to believe this. And, you know, I hear that all the time. You're not going to believe what I saw, but you know, I saw this, I saw this and saw that. And, you know, as they go through it, I tried to, see if I can get them to embellish on the story and they just won't do it. I mean, they, they actually stick, they stick to the, the initial description, the initial encounter, the initial instance. And, uh, that's pretty rare. I mean, I get a lot of reports and that is fairly rare. Say I got an email of a reporter, you know, uh, I get an email from somebody and during these, you know, these sightings and, uh, I ask to talk to them. I will get on the phone with them, and they will not stray away from the initial report. That That's remarkable. That just does not happen. So these people are seeing something. Okay. Mama, when you're talking to them, uh, or you're going out there in the field, when you're doing research, are you seeing anything, or are you talking to people where, like, they might have, uh, like, called it in, and they sounded good originally, but then you came back and you actually talked to them and you're like, nope, they're a lunatic. Like, what's on the ground, uh, boots on the ground investigation here? How are you seeing when you're, when you're talking to people and interviewing them? Well, I mean, it's a process. Um, I mean, you're going to take, I take with me, you know, tablet or something like that so I can read the report and kind of go around, kind of trying to recreate the, uh, the, um, the scene itself. I'm going to use an example of the Melrose Park episode, uh, sighting. Um, you know, she was saying, I was here, I was within this range and she submitted a photo. So what you're going to go out there and do is you're going to try to recreate, you want to find exactly where they were standing at. Uh, and does that match the, does that correlate with what they're telling you? 
you know, there's she's saying she's standing outside of uh, out of uh, Best Buy, but the uh, but by the photograph, it's showing she's nowhere. She's not. She's outside the Best Buy, yes, but not standing right outside the Best Buy. Uh, she's actually about man, what do you say, man, about a. 50 yards away or so from the Best Buy yeah. at least. If you're in the area, I actually chalked marked where I think the picture was taken. Uh, but, but yeah, she's quite a, a ways away um, from, from uh, where she reported that she saw the math, Mothman and that, that she had to take out her camera really quick and, and get a photo. I mean, she's, she's like mid parking lot. So um, it, it, her report seems to be like really, instantaneous like oh there it is it's swooping down now i gotta grab my camera and um it doesn't really seem that way from you know how, how i had to go into the center of the parking lot and and match it up and, and take my own uh photo to match up with with her photo and and it's it, it's really way out mm-hmm. there so uh you know it would take more time than uh she specified in the report yeah in the picture though real quick like does she get something i mean obviously getting a if we had an awesome picture of a winged humanoid we'd all be <laughs> running around slapping five right now but in the picture though is there something uh like a like is it a good picture does it look like there's something there even if it's not the most it's bad. not the best picture in the world but it does show something and when it was submitted to the group um it was, um, I remember that Lon uh, had it submitted for um, analyzing, and it came back as a, it, it's a solid creature. Whatever it's in the picture is solid. Um, so it is, you know, there is something there in that picture. There doesn't seem to be any kind of manipulation to the picture itself. It just seems, it shows a solid object. I mean, she did state in the, pic- in the picture by the time she uh, pulled it out, her phone out, unlocked it, pulled up the camera, you know, it had flown. It had flown quite a distance away, but she caught something on the photo, um, and that's kind of part of the of that investigation. When you're out there, you're talking. You want to talk to people. The Lakeview neighborhood sightings. Um, I was out there. I think within like 12 hours of the sightings, and I was out there talking to people. It's a very, very the the area itself is very um, heavy. It's it's right by Wrigley. Uh, Wrigley Field, not too far away, uh, and it's got a lot of bars, little you know, young young dives, you know, places for young co- folks to go and you know have a dive. These places are open till like four or five in the morning, I and mean, they open back up about seven a.m. So there were tons of people to talk to. Uh, there were you had to kind of look at the area itself. The area had um, um, police cameras all over the place. So we tried to submit, you know, information to try to get those police videos. Maybe just to see if we could. Well, that's a great idea. See, uh, re- just reaction. Maybe not even see the creature, but then you kind of got to go out there and you got to think, you know, kind of common sense that hey, they say they saw it flying over this. Okay, let's look at this area. You know, what's in the way? Are there buildings? Are there trees? Power lines? Um, you know, could they have seen something at this level or at this uh, point? You know, you want to talk to people. Did you see anything, hear anything, you know? What's your pitch? Like when you come out to somebody, I mean, it's like you're a Scientologist coming in and saying like, hey, would you like to get, you know, your e-meter reading or whatever? Like when you're coming up to somebody, how is that? You know, it's like, hey, have you met our friend Jesus Christ kind of thing? Like, so when you, you know, when you come, have you have you heard the news? What do you say uh, to somebody fresh off the street? Like, hey, do you have, you have like a T-shirt that says Mothman Investigate? And I'm not being, I'm just saying, how do you set the scene for people not, weirding out or things like that in order to try to get the best report 
just, you know, you start out, I mean, obviously you don't want to go in there and say, hey, you know, I'm investigating the Mothman sighting because, I mean, of course, this is Chicago. You're going to be seen as, a you know, just another crazy kook that's running around. Um, right. But you tell them, hey, I'm, I'm you know, investigating the sighting of something strange here. Have you seen anything strange? Have you heard anything strange? If they live in that neighborhood, more than likely they're going to be able to tell you yes, no, they haven't seen something. Um, ask them, you know, uh, what was there before, uh, such as the sighting uh, with the owl? You just, I, Allison was just there not yeah, too long yesterday. ago uh, <laughs> outside the owl bar. Things are different now. Yeah, things are different there. Uh, when the when the submission of the report came in, there was a building across the street. There used to be a building there. Now there's nothing there. It's a it's a vacant lot. Um, in the time that from the sighting to the time that this report was coming in, there was um, this building was demolished. Um, you know, as far as the uh, the river forest sighting, that's another one. I mean, I walked around that area. That's that's uh, con- the area around Concordia and uh, uh, University. So there's always people out there. People use the fields. People, you know, are always wandering around down to the 7-Eleven on the corner. That's what I did. I walked around. I talked to people. Went down to the 7-Eleven. You know, um, people were just saying, "Oh no, I haven't seen anything weird." Um, one person says, "Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, you see these brilliant flashes of light. You know, that look like thun- like lightning lighting up the area, but nothing other other than that, nothing else. You know, um, you want to actually try to stand on the site where the people saw it. Um, does it match up with everything? You know that they're saying. Um, you can kind of obviously tell once you're there. You can kind of obviously tell. Hey, was um, what was happening to the, at this time? You know, what were the weather conditions like? You know. Um, especially in the city, you know, when you're talking about, hey, you know, it could be a clear day, but the way that the, the buildings line up in the city, you know, any little bit of wind gets in there, it creates that wind tunnel effect. It accelerates the wind really quick. And, um, you know, if they're saying, hey, I saw it and it was hovering right this area. Okay, well, let, let me look down this area and let me see what the weather's like, the conditions, you know, is it prone to wind tunnel effects, you know, that could affect something in flight. Um you know, it's kind of like um, it's it, it's kind of kind of like playing Tetris. Is what I want to say you have to make the pieces try to fall in line, and you want to talk to the people uh, when you interview them. Like with the um, the lady with House Park, I did that interview with the the witness. Um, you want to do just like uh, Lon said, try to get them to embellish the story, try to get them to add on to the story. Um, you know, Lon and uh, Tobias are both you know, trained field investigators, you know, they know what the questions, what the questions you have to ask, you know, uh, how to make it look and how to try to make them to mislead. That's that way you can kind of weed out, uh, the information, try to ask questions that, um, you know, are, did, are intentionally meant to mislead, to mislead. If they just think, no, it, it, it was exactly how they told them. And you know, they're more than likely telling the truth or, they're a really, really good actor. So you guys are investigating it and you're all like, you guys are either writing about it, checking it out. Allison, you're Facebook living from the places and <laughs> yeah, just anno- annoying the, the general. <laughs> any, any chance we can to annoy people from Illinois, we'll take it. Um, <laughs> I'm really good at annoying people. <laughs> <laughs> we're from Wisconsin, so it's part of our job. If we're not doing it with driving, we're doing it with telling people about the Mothman. Um, anyway, so what I think we should get to you guys are doing investigations why aren't the popo investigating like what's wrong with the lo- like tobias you brought this up before when you said uh it's like a you know a cover-up like it seems to me and we were talking about this with uh 
Linda Godfrey last week, it seems to me that when they did the Beast of Bray Road, you know, 25 years ago in the Milwaukee area, it, the Beast of Bray Road was on the TV all the time. That ghost in the Horicon Marsh, um, that house in Horicon, that was on TV like I would say like two or three times a week until, you know, until it died down because weird stuff is ratings gold. What's with the Chicago media that they're not covering this? Well, I think the time of the year has a lot to do with it. I think, well, and also Chicago's got issues right now as well, especially in in local government. Uh, I think there's a lot of factors behind it. I I don't think they want to hurt the tourist industry. Uh, I don't think they want any other issues piling up on Rahm Emanuel's desk. And uh, I think there's a lot of reasons behind it. Okay. And Manuel, as somebody who's living in the area and, you know, talking to people and stuff, is there any sense of when you're investigating these things that people are like, you know what, I'm only hearing about the Mothman on these different blogs and stuff on the internet and, and then jokey stuff, maybe in a morning, you know, a morning zoo program or whatnot. Like, is anybody saying, why isn't the Tribune covering this? Well, yes and no. I mean, like Lon said, it's, the, it's a time of the year. I mean, this is summer in Chicago. I mean, last week we had Lollapalooza. This week we have the Air and Water Show. Next week we have, you know, God knows what else, you know, is going on. Uh, any number of one of the festivals that go on in that is this area. You know, if people start saying, hey, there's this flying humanoid creature everyone's seeing, you know, you're either going to get, you know, a bunch of people coming in with the intent of trying to find this thing, you know, um, or you're going to get people scared away i mean who don't want to see it and city doesn't want to have that you know you know happening um with like you say you brought up beast of bray road in the milwaukee area and stuff like that i mean consider the mark consider where you're at i mean chicago is this huge it's the third largest city in the in the united states i mean there are a lot more important things going on i mean someone's always getting shot someone something's always happening True. in the city on um, the last Chirac. Year, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And it's living up to its name this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gotten really bad. We just had a shootout on the CTA uh, on one of the train on the red line um, that just ended up with somebody getting shot uh, on the train itself. Um, mm. It's just there are so many things happening right now in the city, uh, within the city, within the government itself. I mean, people right now are up in arms about this new tax that they just levied on everybody. Yeah, the, the, the uh, soda tax. Yeah, the soda tax. It's just, um, you know, nine. It's, it costs almost $9 now for a 12-pack of, of Coke in, in a, at a downtown uh, store. Yeah. You know, it's just impossible. So you need to have the the Chicago Coke party. <laughs> wait, 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 that's not. Uh, they're already having the Chicago Coke party somewhere right now. <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, Coca Cola like poured into the river. Oh yeah, someone. That's it's going right. to get to that point. Like the but tea party. It's yeah, but it's it's you know, I think that there's just a lot of too much things on the plate right now, and the last thing they want to be seen as is a laughing stock. Yeah. Um, I mean, come on, Trump is. Trump is calling out Chicago and their government almost every other day. Yeah. Um, you know, our government's making asses of themselves as it is anyways. Um, and we have just, you know, problems all over the city. The last thing they want to do is to be talk about a giant flying bat that's been seen by everybody. And so I think that they're kind of perpetrating. I mean, the last report, that, the one of the last reports we can't had, she worked at City Hall. And she says 
don't get us wrong. It's very well known and talked about within City Hall. And they just choose not to talk about it out into the public. Yeah. I, am, I'm, I really think that they probably do quash the stories out of the Tribune or the Sun-Times. Ah, the bigger fish to fry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so overshadowed by other issues. Uh, and let's not forget that uh, there was a Lollapalooza Mothman sighting. So just wanted to throw that in there. Tobias, what do you have to say? Well, you know, honestly, I, I think Manuel nailed it as far as uh, media coverage is concerned. Um, now, it... it it's not accurate to say that there hasn't been any mainstream media coverage um, because you do have, um, you know, opinion pieces, editorials, stuff like that, um, that, that are out there. And frankly, just by the tone of those, you can tell they just don't take it seriously. You know, they, they just don't seem to care. Uh, and, you know, I, I get it. Third largest city in the, the, the nation. They have a lot of problems. There's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of political stuff going on. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that part makes sense. Definitely makes makes sense to me. But, you know, I, I, I do have a lot of our readers, um, a lot, you know, uh, a lot of our uh, audience members at the, the Singular Fortean Society who, who do ask me that question because people wonder Two things, really. Uh, one, why is this only being reported by us, Phantoms and Monsters, and, and UFO Clearinghouse? And then two, why isn't the, the the mainstream media covering it? And and yeah, like I said, Manuel basically nailed it as far as why the uh, the, the the mainstream media isn't covering it more. And then you know, as far as you know, why people are uh, only reporting these sightings to to these websites? You know, I usually tell people, okay, Google bat-like creature Chicago. Just go ahead and Google it right now. See what comes up. You're probably going to get our our timeline, um, which tells people to re- if they have a report to make it to Phantoms and Monsters or, or UFO Clearinghouse, or you're going to get you know one of one of Lon's blogs or something. So yeah, I mean it's it's the power of search engine optimization. Frankly, um, you know most people see something weird. They don't have any other means to to look into it outside of the, the, the internet, they don't, you know, there's no hotline to call. Like nobody's going to call the police because no crime was committed. Plus, you know, any additional social stigma. So yeah, naturally they, they, they go to Google and the Mothman is a crime against nature. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that crime is on the books though. So, all right, fair enough. But uh, but yeah, so yeah, they, they, they go to Google, they Google it, they, they get one of us. And yeah, so all of the the reports just sort of are naturally funneled in, in into these particular websites. There's nothing mysterious about it. There's certainly nothing you know malevolent happening. Uh, it's just it's just how the internet works. So the That's internet fair. is providing this outlet uh, that that people haven't had in the past. So you know, in in what I've been doing, like just just. Uh, going to the different locations, following the footsteps of the witnesses, is trying to get my own assessment for, you know, uh, the veracity of the reports or or just get more information on it. You know, there's just never enough. But let me say, too, you know, although I think we probably have had a fair amount of trolls, you can't say that people aren't seeing anything. And, and here's here's the problem. I mean, I've had my own experiences Finally, I can say that. And so I know that non-ordinary things do happen. And when they happen, uh, even though like I'm all about it, right? I'm like supposed to be <laughs> somebody that has been working on this kind of stuff for 20 years. And and still when something happens, I don't report it immediately. Or, um, you know, I, I takes a while to process. 
or I forget about it because it is uh, so hard to uh, rationalize or, or so hard to incorporate into what we have here, which is, you know, we're, we're living in a very uh, materialist, uh, reductionist society, which, which shuts out a, a large part of human experience. You know, so this is the crux of the problem. So, you know, what I see is, is perhaps there, there are even more sightings, but people don't know how to deal with them. So they just, you know, go back to regular life to try to get some normalcy back after that kind of shock. Um, and then, you know, so th there's probably people not reporting it, uh, you know, hopefully in the middle, as we've seen people, there are people who are reporting it, but then on the other side, there, there's people who are trolling, like maybe, you know, I, I do have my, my, uh, doubts about the Winston Plaza, uh, the uh, Melrose Park sighting, just because, uh, you know, what was reported doesn't really match up uh, with, you know, where the photo was taken. And uh, another thing is that there's so many planes that fly over. And I'll have to send uh, these two to, uh, for the show notes, Mike, to just to compare. I, I took pictures of planes and and a lot and many of them seemed seemed to be very close to, you know, what the what the witness picture looked like. So so uh I, I'm on both sides here. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, you know, be open-minded because I know that extraordinary things do happen, but, but also I know that there's trolls out there. Well, I think that's a, that's a really good segue to Allison to come into a last question for everybody, because uh, you were saying there's your sightings that you think are, oh man, this one's totally real. And there's sightings that think, Ooh, I don't know about that one. So to close out, what's everybody's favorite sighting so far of this now we have 38 to pick from that's i mean everybody gets a different one right and line we want to hear about you had your own sighting at another time we want to hear about that as well so lon what do you say well i think the i think the best sighting or the most interesting sighting was the uh one on a 1400 uh, lakeshore drive where uh, this thing descended upon these two people that were out of town and uh, and you were at the location. You saw where it happened. At yeah, I, it was an excellent yeah. report. I mean, it, it was very detailed, and from everything I could see, it was it was plausible. Uh, this thing really got close and personal with them, and uh, the witnesses were definitely shook up. The uh, the description was a little more detailed than before, in particular, like the. Uh, the color of this thing that it kind of looked like it was moist and shiny or it the legs and the legs were like vibrating uh there was a sound coming from the vibrating legs that's disgusting you know a few things like that i mean and you know it and the witnesses themselves in particular the woman who i i called ag she was really forthcoming and um uh, you know, it really disturbed her. And in fact, she said after she had the encounter, she just dropped to her knees. Her husband had to basically carry her back home, back to her her parents' condominium, which is right there in that building. So, um, yeah, I believe that was the best report so far. What about you had your own sighting of a, a similar creature? And I, I want to hear a little bit more about that and, and how that influences uh you know, when you take a report and, and when you talk to other witnesses? Well, this happened in the early autumn of 1988. I, um, I had run across, well, I was, it, I was actually in Baltimore, and, and a friend of mine from here in Pennsylvania happened to be down there at a Boy Scout exposition. And um, 
we got to talking, and he basically, he knew that I was into the paranormal at that time. I was doing other reports and stuff. And um, he brought this thing up about the Boy Scout camp at Camp Conewago in uh, Adams County, Pennsylvania, just north of, uh, not far north of Gettysburg, that th these Boy Scouts had been scared of screaming sounds in the woods and in distance and it was so bad that they were it was just freaking them out and they were packing up and leaving so he asked me say you know would you mind coming up there with me and uh checking it out so i said yeah so the next weekend i went up there and it was he and his friend john and uh basically we set up camp in the, the area where these been going these sightings i mean this phenomenon had been going on and uh you know it was pretty quiet for the first night though i just had a sense of something i was watching it so it was weird but uh anyway making a long story short we were sitting there one evening and uh we started hearing we heard these screaming sounds coming from down river and it's actually it, it sounded like a child crying and it was coming in and out so you know our radar was up, so we just sat there for a little bit. So I got up after about a half hour or so, started walking around. I, I really felt something was that something was watching us. Wait, so, so I, you let the child cry for a half an hour? No, it it, it, it didn't last that long. But you know, we we you know you know we thought maybe it was something natural, like an owl, or, you know, or a deer see. or something screaming. But and they they do make a loud screaming sound. But you know, we weren't sure what it was. So I got to walk around the campsite. After about a half hour after this happened, and I started getting a weird feeling that something was going on, something was watching us. So I, I walked back and told the two guys that, look, you know, maybe we can go up the trail a little bit and just start looking around. So it was about one o'clock in the morning. So we walked up trail, and we weren't, we didn't walk more than fifty foot away from the camp. And all of a sudden, it's like we all sensed it at one time to our right in the Conewago Creek, and it was very shallow at that time. Something was standing in the middle of the creek. It was dark, tall, and it had something on its back. We couldn't tell them what it was, but we decided it was probably wings. But we looked at it, and it was these two red eyes looking at us. And by the time we got the flashlight over to it to take a look at it, this thing just jettisoned up into the air. And we heard a, it was an audible whooshing sound, and then we heard the screams as it was going in the distance. So now uh, this took this took place in '88, you said? Yeah, it was the fall of '88. Okay, fall of '88. Okay, so um, Mike, you can't let me forget. We we have our own thing to talk about that happened in our family in September uh, 1988, which. Uh, well, links into that's this. true you can talk about that when it's time for your favorite yes. story so so uh thank you len let's talk to um manuel well my favorite has to be the uh, the first one on uh, the other recent ones oz park on um, that one i did the investigation i wouldn't have spoke with the witnesses uh or the witness um basically she stated oz park is you know a very popular park in the city of chicago um Mostly because it's got this, these long, beautiful, winding paths. It's got this huge garden that's there, and it's all, all of it's Wizard of Oz themed. You know, there's statues all over the place. Um, it's a very, very popular place in the city of Chicago. It's the Wizard of Oz themed, so there's already flying monkeys yeah. in the area. 
yeah, there's an actual yellow brick road. There's an actual, you know, statues of all the characters and stuff. And usually when you go there, like when I went there, I mean, it was um, spring. Um, you know, you're starting to hear, you know, all the everything from squirrels to birds and, you know, rabbits in the park. Um, it's a very active park. Um, when she went there, she lives in the area and she goes jogging up and down those trails. Um, she says when she approached the park, it was silent dead silence uh which is very unusual um not only that she was she had her dog with her her dog was a jack russell terrier um that was part of what got me in the makes it my favorite because this this uh you know i did some research on jack russell terriers talked to some people you know they're they're not they're they're not scaredy dogs they're not they're not known to be scared little animals they're very for their size they're very ferocious you know they're very protective of their of their families and they're they don't back down. Um, they kind of kind of get the mentality of a you know a Rottweiler or a German Shepherd or something. Uh, this dog was basically being dragged. It wanted to get out. It wanted to get away from that park as quickly as possible. Um, when she walked into the through the clearing where the uh, basketball courts were, she encountered a creature that was on the ground. Uh, she says about seven feet tall. With a pair of wings that jutted out of its back, but the wings were taller than the person by about a foot and a half. Um, mm. And they were folded up behind that, that creature. She says that she stood there for, I think, 30 seconds to a minute before the creature even noticed her. Um, the creature had, was turning the opposite direction. It turned around and looked right at her. Um, she says that it had you know, glowing red eyes. Um, and during this whole time, this dog, the dog is back behind her cowering. In just absolute terror, um, she says it looked at her for maybe about five seconds, and then unfurled its wings. Um, we're talking almost ten feet from tip to tip, is what she said. Uh, they were just enormous, and then just um, shot straight up into the air. Um, she says she heard an audible whoosh, and just once it got up above the trees, it was gone. Um, you know, she says that. Um, she stood there for quite a while in, in shock, basically. Um, when I spoke with her, you know, she is a, she's a professional. She's an attorney. She's been in that area for many, many, many years, um, you know. And um, it was just really genuine. She, she was straightforward with everything. You know, she's, she knew what she was talking. She never deviated from the story. Um, and she was, you know, at the same time saying, you "No, know, I'm a professional. I know, you know, you know, I had to use, you know, what I see as part of my profession, you know, and what I saw, I know what I saw. And she was more worried about the fact that it could affect her career. Um, you know, she wanted to kind of, you know, make sure that it, you know, her anonymity was um, protected. But it that by far has to be my favorite of the stories. All right, Tobias, what's your favorite? Well, okay, Lon and Manuel pretty much stole my two favorites almost in, in, in order there. But, uh, well, right. you know, there, there's lots of, uh, lots of good sightings to, to choose from here. So, um, you know, I, I would say probably, okay, there were, there were two sightings actually that took place on May 27th of this year. Uh, and they both involve separate couples um, who, you know, within about a mile of each other, both reported seeing this, you know, large black uh, bat-like flying humanoid. And the, uh, the reports are, are, are pretty consistent with, with each other. You know, they're, they're, just a, they're just two couples, you know, like imagine they're, they're out enjoying 
Chicago in the evening. They're out at dinner. They're just enjoying their lives. And they see this, this impossible creature, you know, out of, out of some nightmare. And so they, they both sort of reacted exactly how you would expect a normal person to react in that situation, which is to say they had no idea what to do about it. Um, you know, like they, they, they both sort of describe separately how, you know, like they went to the internet and they Googled this, you know, like, and they, they were very surprised to see that other people were seeing the same thing. And they were, other people had been making reports to these websites, you know, and so that, and, and, and so through doing that, they had discovered a way to report this sighting, but, you know, otherwise they probably would have done, you know, it, well, I, they probably would have just done nothing and forgot about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's just those little aspects of the human element that that are particular uh, particularly uh, fascinating to me. Um, you know, and 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 that sort of lend the sightings an air of credibility. I think that that would otherwise be lacking. Yeah, so. and um, so I I just want to piggyback on that and say so I was at both sites and you know that that struck me as well. I think that's fourteen and fifteen on on Lon's sighting map. So if you listeners, uh, all you got to do is Google Mothman sightings map, and all of uh, Lon Strickler's uh, great work will will come up, and and you'll be able to uh, follow in the footsteps of witnesses as well. But you know, fourteen and fifteen, uh, so it was like Arlington Place, I think. Um, along uh, Lakeshore Drive there, but uh, where it intersects with Arlington Place, I believe. Anyway, uh, so the, as you said, a couple uh, saw this creature fly off towards the park, and then there's another couple uh, in sighting number 15 that see it, you know, that same night in the park. So it's it's kind of the, the corroboration there uh, that makes the magic. Uh, but my... Um, my favorite, I think, is the Tinley Park, uh, where I was last night. Uh, a very charming little uh, neighborhood. Uh, it, it's a 174th place. I was at 174th Street initially. 174th Place and 66th Avenue. Uh, just, you know, walking through that neighborhood, very charming little neighborhood, and thinking about somebody walking their, uh, their dog at midnight um, and seeing a, a creature swoop by. And then. Uh, hang out on one of the rooftops, uh, you know, against one of the chimneys, and then jump off and disappear. It kind of reminded me of uh, Spring Hill Jack from uh, the Penny Dreadful uh, fame in the Victorian era, you know, seeing some strange creature uh, leaping about on rooftops uh, and then, you know, jumping off and then suddenly disappearing. I mean, there, there was a compelling aspect to that as well. And, and I have to... Uh, Piggyback, too, on what Lon said about his 1988 sighting, because we have our sighting in our own family uh, that uh, was, well, we, we call it the Brookfield Thunder, Thunderbird, but it happened in uh, Brookfield, uh, Wisconsin, which is a suburb of Milwaukee. And it happened in uh, September 21st, 1988, uh, where um, someone in our family claimed to see a flying being and, and got a foreboding feeling and this is something, you know, when it happens in your own family with somebody that you trust, you know, what are you supposed to do with that? And, and even when it happens to you, these extraordinary experiences, what can you do? Where can you go? I mean, this, this is the crime. And how did that guy get from Baltimore to Milwaukee well, is the question, is how did that well, winged human? I think he flew. But, but anyway, it's just incredible to see how the, those stories connect, that we have one in our own family, you know, the, the fall of 88 as well, uh, of 
you know, some kind of strange flying creature. And, and uh, you know, when you, when you even look back further uh, into antiquity, into uh, native lore, into stories of the native peoples uh, of this nation, the Thunderbird uh, was something that uh, was very important and still is, I, I teach at a native school, and still is an important being uh, in native culture. So, uh, there is something there. I'm not sure what it is. Lon, one final question for you. You said that there are potentially three beings at large in the Chicagoland area. Could you talk a little bit more about that? The three beings, what are they? Well, I think they're at least, th- least three. Um, and just because of the different descriptions, but in the general areas where these sightings have been, I think there are probably two that have been in and out of downtown, in and out of the western part of the city, and I think there's at least another one that's been hanging around the south of the city. The RV actually, and we, I haven't got the full count on what we got, but there's the, the RV came up that there may actually be six total of these beings. Now, are they the same kind of creature, or are they different creatures? Well, the way it reads right now, that three are what you call a tulpa, and that three are flesh and blood beings. Mm. Now, Okay, so tulpa uh, is like a thought form, right? Right, exactly. A, a tulpa is a thought form, a, a human-generated being, thought-generated being, like uh, the Slender Man... Uh, which you know it's supposed to be a legend i you know i actually think some people have actually uh created thought forms with this being there have been a lot of cryptids where there is a possibility that it could have been a thought form uh poltergeist 99 percent of poltergeist activity is actually a thought form so they're 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 human generated or manifested beings or entities Probably by readers of your guys' blogs. <laughs> like, we read about it, we believe in it, and then we're going to see fault. it. You know, like, that's that's the thing. But I think it's great. If I could make a tulpa appear, trust me, it wouldn't be a winged humanoid. <laughs> but that's all right. Anyway, we ran out of time, and I just want to thank you guys for spending uh, some time with us to catch everybody up on the Mothman. Everybody, if you want to check out, first of all, Manuel had to run, but you can check out Manuel's site at ufoclearinghouse.wordpress.com. Dot com. Lon, if people want to check out your site, where can they get it? Just go to fansandmonsters.com. Fansandmonsters.com. And Tobias, when they want to read the Singular Fortean, where do they go? Uh, to check out the Singular Fortean Society, uh, you can go to singularfortean.com. Fantastic. And Allison, where can people find all of your videos that you took from the different locations? MilwaukeeGhost.com. And uh, I will be posting on there uh, the link to my YouTube channel. Fantastic. All right. And uh, I just, number one, thank you, everybody. And my personal theory about everything is that all of this is actually Richard Gere in a jetpack. <laughs> and what he's trying to do, he's trying to drum up interest in his screenplay, Mothman Prophecies 2, Chicago Boogaloo. And uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's just my personal theory. But I want to thank you guys. Everybody, go check out Phantoms and Monsters. You're going to love it. UFO Clearinghouse, you're going to see very cool reports. And Singular Fortean, you're going to get cool artwork and awesome insights. And we'll see all you guys later. 
Well, I thought that was an enlightening conversation. Very. And what I was excited about was that, you know, I didn't know that they're doing remote viewing experiments for the Chicago Mothman. So like Lon's got like a remote viewing group that he's doing this stuff with. Incredible. And it really is the top of the paranormal news right now, because Mm -hmm. going back to the Michigan Paracon, people were very like passionate about this topic. Yeah. In the Midwest, it is all the rage of seeing flying Mm -hmm. humanoids in the Midwest. So I'm hoping that we see some flying humanoids next time we pass through Chicago. Which will be soon. Yes, absolutely. So we want to thank you, these guys for joining us. Thank you, Allison, Tobias, Lon, and Manuel. Thank you. And so for this week, I think it was easy to pick a song. <laughs> yeah. Because number one, it's in the public domain, which is fantastic. Wonderful. Which means we can use it. And number two, uh, it's got those it's got those blues type lyrics that seem to just be made for some improvisation and for for fiddling around. So this week, the song is we took the Robert Johnson classic and a little spin on it, um, Sweet Home, Chicago Mothman.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Oh, you know who loves the blues? Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. You are talking about Dr. Ned. Yes, Dr. Ned, our Patreon supporter who is pledging us at a level where he gets his own personal shout out every week. Thank you so much, Ned. You're such a great supporter. And we have a whole community of Patreons that you can also join. How do they do that, Mike? Well, all they got to do is they got to check out othersidepodcast.com slash donate to see how they can be part of the group that helps us put on cool podcasts, videos, new music every single week, and then has some bonuses too. So it's a chance to show your support and get some cool stuff and cool bonuses like our hangouts. Yes, our monthly live hangout online so it doesn't matter if you're not in the madison area and this month we're going to be telling all the dirty details about the paracon right as well as other things going on and so if you'd like to join us for that hangout please join the patreon community mm-hmm. othersidepodcast.com slash donate is where you find it and it's it's just fun to talk paranormal with people talk about the topics we had in the show talk about the newest things going on and then the, the cool stuff that we get to experience because we're in the community every week in and out meeting people doing ghostly things and having fun yes so thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week bye 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 Mothman's in my house, man. I can't believe it. Like, the Mothman's eating my Cheetos. Oh, God.